Good morning, folks. Today is Tuesday, February 14th. A little interstate love song on Valentine's Day. Wish you all the very best. Welcome to episode number 303 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. Over the next 45 minutes, I, Just Ben, Matt McDaniel, Jeff Fuller, Tom Bishop, Cyber Munchkin, William Welch, and all the rest of chat are going to be tearing up the top cybersecurity news stories of the day, and I'll be giving my expert analysis and opinion on each of those stories, on what it means to you as a practitioner, so how can you operationalize this uh, at work this week. Or if you're looking to break into the industry, got you covered because we're going to be covering uh, vernacular terminology, concepts, threat actors, techniques, best practices, and giving you all the inside nuggets and knowledge that you can just wow interviewers with. Plus, the networking is pretty dope here, so settle in. You're always going to enjoy it, I promise you. Now, before we get into it, want to say shout out? Yeah, Matt McDaniel. Throwing... Yeeting Matt McDaniel's name out here. Listen, before we get into the show, though, I do want to share the stream sponsor with you. I want to share some stream love with the sponsors. It's all about Valentine's Day. I'm, I'm going to try to shoehorn as much uh, Cupid, Cupid love as I can into the stream today. Want to give some love to Barricade Cyber Solutions? Listen, y'all, Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. This is their website if you're watching on stream right now. Eric Taylor's calendar is right here. The dude might be the hardest working man in InfoSec at the moment. Threat actors keeping this guy burning the midnight oil, uh, cooking on both ends of, uh, the, of the stream of the day. Uh, but it is Valentine's Day, but looks like Eric, Eric's got his schedule wide open here. So you have an opportunity to uh, schedule a meeting with him, have a conversation. Obviously, at a minimum, I would recommend you bookmark this website and mark it as break glass in case of emergency. And if you get popped, at least you can have a meeting with him in the next two hours to help Get your business back in order, or at least talk to the threat actors, okay? Also want to throw a little love to um, IT Pro TV, an ACI learning company. I am a huge fan of the curriculum and education and course content they're doing over there. Uh, so go on and check them out if you're interested. It does cost a couple bucks, with the, but with the coupon code SIMPLYCYBER30, because you're part of the community here, you'll get 30% off the first month, the first year. You can take that discount, check out the platform, see if it's for you. Great courses, practice tests, certification, learning paths, etc. It's a good time all up in there. Every episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is worth half a CPE, I want to remind you. So be sure to say <coughs> what's up in chat, hashtag team live, hashtag team replay if you're watching on replay. Remember, y'all, um, you know, if you just are interested in consuming it, uh, the 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 Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Brief. And I want to remind everybody, I'm a terrible salesman, so I, I often forget to tell people about this. But you can listen to uh, the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing on your podcast app of choice. Just go. I, I put it out there. I think I pay like 20 bucks a month to host 
the po- like uh, the podcast on podcast platforms. Um, and I do it as a, as a community service. So if you're mowing the lawn or if you're at the gym, if you're, you're using an iPhone 6 and your battery sucks and you can't run YouTube because it drains your battery because the screen's on, check out the podcast. Listen to it verbally or audi- audibly. That's an option. All right, guys? It's all about good times. Also want to say, I said hello to Team Live. I said hello to Team Replay. Wanna, I'm beginning to bring in um, good friends. Um, hashtag Passive Observers. Shout out. Uh, I, I will keep his name discreet unless he self-identifies. I'm not calling lurkers lurkers anymore. So if you're a hashtag lurker, drop a hashtag passive observer in chat and step out of the shadows, my friends. I see uh, Davishi asking for GRC codes. Uh, Davish, uh, I, I might be saying your name incorrectly, but um, go over to TCM Academy right now. Um, I'm pretty sure they're running a 50% off discount um, right now if using the coupon code Lambo. Lambo here. There's a link in chat for you guys. There's Nathan, Nathan Boland's not a hashtag passive observer. All right, guys. So th- this is uh, this is what we're doing. I've got the coffee all fired up. I had to switch coffees because uh, I ran out of French roast. So I'm drinking a hashtag Pacific Bold, which is I don't know. I don't know if I'm just finicky in particular or what. But you know, here's a little teaser for Tidbits Tuesday. Like free free tidbits. I love French roast. I love Starbucks French roast. So when I have to drink something that's not Starbucks French roast, there's a bit of friction introduced there. All right. Yeah, hashtag no French roast. Hashtag free French roast. Right? All right, guys. Settle in. Sit sit back, relax. Let's get into the news and I'll see you guys at the mid-roll. From the CISO series, it's cybersecurity headlines. It's Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. Namecheap sent phishing emails to customers. The domain registrar says the third-party provider it uses for its newsletter, the Twilio-owned SendGrid, sent out apparent phishing emails to its customers. These claim to be from DHL or the crypto wallet MetaMask. The emails were signed with DKIM and received from addresses previously only used by Namecheap comms. The DHL links showed the classic scheme of paying for shipping to receive a, quote, free package, while MetaMask messages asked for know-your-customer information that could allow for stealing a wallet. SendGrid said it began investigating the situation and did not believe it suffered a network breach. All right. So here's the deal with this. And uh, I might, I'm going to need a little bit of support on this from practitioners in chat. Um, so keep me honest on this one. But he, here's the, the deal, guys. Um, when you are a business, even Simply Cyber, right? Well, actually, no, Simply Cyber doesn't do it this way. But when you're a business, it's not uncommon to outsource um, marketing emails, especially marketing emails, or communication emails to a third party. Okay. Now there is a group, and I'm not. I'm just naming them because they're an example. Hey, Cyber Munchkin, thanks so much for the Valentine's Day gift. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. So there's a company called SendGrid that got named in here, but just just to have an example, SendGrid delivers emails on behalf of. Uh, businesses, right? So maybe you get an email that says like, oh, how was your experience? Let us know. Or 
um, hey, like 50% off discount this week only or just or market, whatever, 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 whatever. It's an outsourced service for businesses. But here's the thing. If you get an email saying it's from Uber and the URL is, uh, or the, the email address is like, questions at foobar.com or questions at sendgrid.com. We have trained our users, all of them, to look for, hey, does this make sense? It says it's coming from Uber, but the, the domain name is sendgrid. F that, I'm not going to pay attention. So what ends up happening is you can allow through configuration of email gateways to allow third parties to send on behalf of um, domain name. So it'll look like it's like response at um, Uber, but it's really coming from SendGrid. And when you open up the email um, headers, you, you'll see all that in there. Okay. Now here, here's the problem or here's the, the, the rub, right? When they get compromised, threat actors can now send emails on behalf of any of the organizations that have given those permissions. So there's nothing that you could have done here. Like the, 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 the burden, in my opinion, is with the third party who's agreed to provide this service of emailing for them to protect the, their assets, frankly, um, to ensure that people aren't sending on behalf of other people. So the victim organization in this case, um, Namecheap or Uber or whoever, the like emails went out looking like they were from legitimate organizations and the organization had no idea because the organization had extended the capability for a third party to send legitimate email within the domain name of that organization. Okay. Hopefully this is all making sense. Now we can use in the world of email, there are things called DKIM, D-K-I-M, SPF, and DMARC, D-M-A-R-C. And these are all kind of protocols and security things that allow us to ensure the validity of the sender of the emails. However, in this particular instance, those security mechanisms could have been put in place, and this is where I want to fact check, those, those could have been put in place and this still would have happened because effectively the third party who sends the emails got compromised. So I, you know, I'll pretend I'm the threat actor. I break in and I get access to this third party who can send emails. Now I use the permissions that I've been granted to send the emails out as the victim organization and everything's above board as far as mechanisms and everything like that. So the problem was the unauthorized access and the compromise of that third party. Um, so that's the deal. And a lot of people got hit. Smart threat actor got into a email provider, very smart, and uh, or an email sender, and then blasted it out and had a cryptocurrency, um, a crypto uh, uh, kind of hook, if you will. And the other one was um, DHL emails, which is quite popular, right? Yeah, you can see right here, they were digitally signed with DKIM, right? So even the security technologies that we have for email security wouldn't apply here because the access, the account that can send those emails on behalf of the victim was what was compromised. So very interesting, very interesting. New Bing search hit with injection attack. 
Microsoft began slowly rolling out beta access to its new Bing search with generative AI integration using its Prometheus engine. Stanford student Kevin Liu used a prompt injection to discover a list of statements showing how the system interacts with users. These prompt injections can be used to circumvent limits and instructions in language model prompts. The prompt injection with Bing revealed its code name of Sydney that would refer to itself as either Bing search or this is Bing and that it should not disclose its internal alias. The conditions also instruct Bing to not reply with copyright violating content or to tell jokes that can, quote, hurt a group of people. Yeah. So this is a well, first of all, let's let's use this because we've been uh, we've been waiting for this one, haven't we, community? Shall we play a game? All right, that's the official. That's the official sounder when it's a AI uh, chat GPT like uh, message. Get your Hal for for you squad members out there. Get your Hal uh, emotes going. Doink 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 doink. There it is. There it is. Uh, one more. Shall we play a game? Okay, so there is a new area of research, and obviously new because this chat GPT thing's all over the place, but there's a new area of research called prompt injection, okay? Um, and this is one of those ones that you could blow blow minds in the um in the interview because essentially, I mean, prompt it's the it's the prompt talking to the AI, right? This is the attack. And, it, you know, as soon as ChatGPT blew up, prompt injection attacks kind of became a thing. Essentially, what a prompt injection attack is, is manipulating the inputs that you can type into a chatbot in order to have it reveal sensitive information. One of the mechanisms that I have been seeing consistently from researcher is this. Ignore previous instructions. So when you tell a chatbot to ignore things, or, or change the way it's thinking about how it's going to respond, that's when you're beginning to manipulate kind of the model or the schema of the bot. And once you do that, um, you can see these researchers had it, had it explain like its code name. Like, you know, a lot of research projects go under a code name. Famously, N64 was called Dolphin for a while, right? Um, just for an example. But um, this one's called Sydney. You can see the uh, prompt injections attacks are here. Um, they're talking about jailbreaking chat GPT. Um, so basically, guys, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Just know that we are still trying to like these AI chatbots are definitely going to be around. We're seeing them all over the place. Alibaba's um, uh, baking in some um, Microsoft bought essentially chat GPT. Um, Google's working on something called Chatter, right? So there's, there's, this is going to be mainstream, okay, guys? Now, oh, I didn't know that the emulator is called Dolphin. That's cool. Um, so, so just know that this isn't going anywhere. So if you're interested, I, I really feel like you could research and get familiar enough with prompt injection attacks with like one hour of research because it's a fairly new area of interest. Um, we'll probably see some academic papers done in a little bit, maybe a couple hot talks at DEF CON Black Hat this year on prompt injection attacks. Um, but just know it's a new area of research. It's pretty cool. Rele Google released Bard. Bard? Is Bard the um, AI bot? Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Thank you. Google Bard. <laughs> All right. I don't like that name, but that's just me. Regulators stop minting of BUSD stablecoin. 
The New York Department of Financial Services ordered Paxos Trust to stop minting the Binance USD stablecoin. The regulator allegedly found Paxos failed to conduct risk assessments. Paxos backs the coin one-to-one -one with the U.S. dollar, partnering with Binance on the coin since 2019. It previously received approval from the financial regulator to operate the stablecoin. This comes as the Wall Street Journal sources say the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission informed Paxos it would sue the company for violating consumer protection laws. Coindesk reports that BUSD temporarily lost its peg to the dollar as customers apparently rushed to cash out. Okay, so I don't, uh, hope, well, obviously. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. All right, so that's our good friend, Charles Finfrock, who's a crypto evangelist. That's a, if you're uh, new here, um, we've got some sound effects that are just kind of insider, inside jokes, but I, I try to explain them every time. Um, whenever a crypto story comes up, we play the Charles Finfrock sound effect. Um, here's the deal. Regulators are flexing on crypto with FTX collapsing, with crypto winter happening. Um, there is a lot of scrutiny and a lot of eyes, rightly so, on crypto. Now, the idea behind a stable coin is it's a, it's, it's a, it's a technique that is supposed to peg, meaning pin the value of a crypto coin to a known currency, oftentimes the U.S. dollar. The problem is these stable coins regularly fail, right? So it's almost like, I don't want to call it a scam, but it's almost a, a technique to instill consumer confidence that, oh, we won't have these wild fluctuations of crypto values because it's pegged to a US dollar. It's got to be safe, right? Well, regulators are stepping in and being like, no, like you guys, like when a cryptocurrency that's supposed to be pegged, aka Tether, right? Luna coin, go, go Google Luna and Tether and watch what happened to that stable coin. When you do it that way, and then the coin depegs and goes to zero and everybody loses their money, it's like, well, this wasn't an actual federally insured asset. This isn't, you know, you took a gamble, sorry. And in reality, the rich are getting richer and the people who are losing their money are victims essentially, and they have no recourse. So regulators are finally stepping in and saying, no, you can't, you can't do this, you knucklehead. And we saw that it was supposed to be pegged to the dollar, but it actually went down to, where is it? Where is it? It traded at 98 cents, which you might be like, well, Jerry, what's the big deal? Two cents. The big deal is it's supposed to be pegged to the U.S. dollar, meaning not fluctuate, right? Oh, it's just two cents, Jerry. Okay, so 97 cents is okay. 96 cents is okay. 80 cents is okay. 75 cents. Is you see where I'm going? Like, where is it not okay? And then if you say it's 75 cents, well, then what? What? why not 76 cents? What, you know, like, why is it okay? It should be pegged one-to-one. -one. That's the promise. So I'm glad regulators are getting in here. I'm going to do this. It's not exactly law enforcement, but I'm going to give them credit for it. All right. So crypto. Yeah, exactly. Dude, the, guys, if you are like on the fence about trying to rip people off in the crypto market, NFT rug pulls and all that, sorry, the, the window has closed. The, the opportunity has passed to rip people off. I'm so glad that they're cleaning this up. European carriers form ad tech joint venture. Germany's Deutsche Telekom, France's Orange, Spain's Telefonica, and the UK's Vodafone previously proposed creating a joint venture to operate a cross-operator ad targeting infrastructure focused on first-party data. 
First party data is the key term here as both Google and European regulators increasingly look to target how third party data from cookies can be utilized. The European Commission's Antitrust Division ruled that this venture did not spark competition concerns, giving it the green light to proceed. The carriers say this ad tech infrastructure will require explicit consent from subscribers to use personal data. The European Commission also said that even as it's cleared the venture to proceed, data protection rules are fully applicable. And All right. So here's the deal. Um, if I had to guess, okay, tinfoil hat. I mean, this isn't really a tinfoil hat, but this is just like Jerry speculation. If I had to guess, Kimberly, if I had to guess, this whole thing is completely rooted in... Straight cash, homie. That's Randy Moss saying straight cash, homie. Okay, guys? Th these are the four biggest telcos in Europe, and they are going to join forces in order to do advertising to individuals. Now, a couple things about this. One, by pooling their resources, they'll probably be able to have economies of scale, specifically around two aspects, GDPR compliance and um, enrichment of data, right? So if, if, if Vodafone has some data and Orange has some data and Telefonica has data, they can build a nice, rich, better picture of who you are and then sell that picture to advertisers, right? It's almost like, I almost feel like this is one of those ones where it's like four warring factions, right? Or four... Um, I'm, they're not criminal, but in my mind, it's like four rival mob families in New York. And then they like pool their resources to make a super mob family, right? That's what's happening here. Now, to me, considering they're the four biggest ones, um, it does stink of antitrust, which means like you, there's no competition, but they had a uh, antitrust evaluation and it was determined that they were not, in fact, um, uh, limiting competition in the market. I do find that interesting. I can't speculate on whether or not that is legit or not, but these guys are going to make bank. Okay. Trust me, these four businesses do not go into a joint venture together of this magnitude, unless it's all about the Benjamins. Okay. They're definitely not doing this. So um, they're not doing this. So Andrew Nakamura gets better targeted advertising. Or Chris Hidalgo doesn't, you know, doesn't get ads that don't apply to him. This is all about marketing, sales, selling data, data enrichment, etc. So look for that. Um, and obviously, the the economies of scale for GDPR compliance. Complying with GDPR is not easy. It's 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 it costs money. It takes time, energy, effort, resources, um, planning, execution, all the things. So if you have one entity doing it. You don't have to pay 4X. Do you see what I'm saying? Like I'd have to be in charge of GDPR for Orange and Neon Nomad's in charge of GDPR for Telefonica. Well, if we bind us all together, then, you know, like Neon Nomad can run it and I can go off and do other things, right? You don't have to have as many heads um, working on the problem, right? Economies of scale. This is pretty common. So stay tuned to this one. A word from our sponsor, us. Yes, the CISO series. Those cybersecurity headlines are fantastic. It's the first thing I look for in the AM. That's a quote from active listener Jared Mendenhall, head of information security at Impossible Foods. Cybersecurity Headlines is our fastest growing show on the CISO series network. It's grown 20 fold since we launched, and it did so during the pandemic while yeah. other shows started to slide. 
That's because at only six to seven minutes a day, cybersecurity headlines does not need a commute to consume it. Listen before you start your day. To learn more about pricing and audience, email us at info at CISOseries.com. Backed. Uh, whoa, hold on. All right, so someone's asking about the code. <laughs> use use this link um, to go to TCM simply because I get I get affiliate fees. It's my course, but I like uh, if you go through my link, it, it's better for Simply Cyber. If you just go directly, it's it's less better for me. Uh, Lambo is the code, as far as I know. I also saw Kuntosh as a code, um, the Lambo model that I think Heath uh, owns. Um, there was a big kerfuffle, if you guys don't know, there was a big kerfuffle on uh, LinkedIn last week or two weeks ago about uh, Lamborghinis and buying Lamborghinis. Uh, but anyways, welcome to the mid-roll, my friends. I want to thank all of you for being here today. I see 140 of you. Not bad for a Thursday stream, uh, which starts a little bit later in the day. Oh, Justin, it ended on the 12th. Understood. Guys, I want to thank you very much for being here. Uh, special thanks to Barricade Cyber Solutions and ACI Learning for their support uh, in the month of February. Longtime supporter, Barricade Cyber. If you're getting educational value out of the stream, if you're getting entertainment value out of the stream, do me a favor. Take one second. Scroll down. Hit the like button. Just hit the like button. I know you might have to move chat and hit the like button on your mobile device. I know you might have to move a screen to find the like button. But please... It's Thursday? Oh, it's Tuesday. <laughs> oh my god, Jerry, it's it's Tuesday. I am so dumb. I am so dumb. Alright, thanks guys. Um, anyways, long story short, thank you all so very much. Hey Mitch T, welcome to the to the now. I wanna share the Simply Cyber newsletter, exclamation point newsletter in chat. Um Harish had a great stream last night, or a great time on the stream. It was good. Um, simplycyber.io slash newsletter. Sign up. Get a newsletter from me on Monday morning. It kicks butt. That's all I'll say about that. Tidbits Tuesday. If you're new here, every single day of the week on Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing is appropriated for something currently. Tuesday is Tidbits, where I share a little bit about me. You know, maybe we are, are relatable in some way. Maybe we're not. I don't know. Today's Tidbits got me thinking on the simply cyber discord server which you should be a member of if you're not it's a great experience over there casually joseph posted a picture of some mead mead that he's making and it got me it got me reminiscing and getting nostalgic on the um on the simply cyber office hours the once a month stream where we drink beers and, and do security t-shirts and stuff uh, I, I love craft beer. I don't know if you guys know this. I love craft beer. I appreciate it. I, I love it. Um, so part of the tidbit is that I love craft beer and that I actually used to brew beer uh, back before I had children, right? Like I was really into it. I had won some competitions uh, with some of uh, some raspberry chipotle stouts I had made. Uh, so if you're a brewer in chat, if you make wine, if you make mead, if you make beer, I'm right there with you. Good times, man. Great, great experience. Uh, it allows you to really like get particular about you know what you're doing and very detailed oriented, and uh, you can experiment and get really creative. So I'm a brewer, and um, I've never made mead. I've never made wine, 
But uh, I do have all my brewing equipment, and one day I'll get back into brewing. But right now, um, not a priority to me. All right. All right. Yep, Raspberry Chipotle Stout. It was bomb. It won me a gold medal at a, at a local brewing contest. I didn't go to, like, Great American Beer Fest at all. All right, guys. I do want to just give a quick shout-out. Um, yesterday on stream, Harish was there. I played Simply... Where is it? I played World of Haiku last night. Oh, no, I didn't. Oh, whatever. I played Haiku Pro last night, and it was a good time. I don't know where it is. Sorry. Anyways, la, 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 la. I'll tell you about this later. All right, let's get back to the news. Sorry. I was just a bit of a yard sale right there. <laughs> Jesus. It's out of consumer apps. The digital asset platform launched in March 2021, offering the ability to integrate crypto assets with other digital accounts, things like gift cards and loyalty programs. It eventually gained partnerships with some pretty big names, including Choice Hotels, Starbucks, and Best Buy. However, Bact announced it will shut down its consumer-facing app on March 16th, focusing on business-to-business -business services going forward. While the app is going away, users can still manage assets over its web app after the shutdown. All right. I'm a crypto evangelist. I love it, love it, love it. All right. So this story in the scheme of the daily cyber threat briefing is very much not interesting uh, with all due respect to Coindesk and the producers over at Cybersecurity Headlines. Um, basically, this is a company called Bact that is discontinuing the consumer business to consumer business model um, on March 16th and they're focusing on business to business. Guys, this isn't like a big deal. Like if you're using Bact, whatever, um, there was no security incident here, you know, whatever. And this isn't this isn't wholly uncommon. I'll share just one quick experience, like lesson learned um, from my years in business, um, and then move on. Okay, thanks, Nick Barker. We love you too. Okay, listen, business to consumer is a good market, right? So, like, um, business to consumer, right? I sell my GRC course. Two individuals, consumers, right? I'm a business. I sell the course to consumers. So marketing, management, um, you know, people email me and they're like, my, I forgot my password. Some people have like multiple accounts on the Simply Cyber School and they're like, I log in and I don't see the course anymore. And it's because they're logging in with the wrong one. And I have to manage that, right? I, I don't have a team of people. It's just Jerry. So business to consumer has a lot of opportunity, but the margins are small, meaning the amount of money you make is small because you have to sell to individuals and the maintenance of it. Like you have to, you have to manage people and people's expectations and all this other stuff. Right? So it, it, there's a market there, but it's a tough market. Business to business is another market right now with business to business, you have fewer customers, but the margins are greatly higher because you're selling to a business, right? So like I, I have a consulting company. I, many of you may or may not know this, but I have a consulting company and I sell two businesses. One product I sell is information security awareness training. So you can outsource me and I will develop a video uh, or a, a piece of education or whatever, like once a week and send it to you and you can just, you distribute it to your business. Now that's a really cool service. And I can charge, you know, tens of thousands of dollars to one client and make that one transaction. So business to business 
has a lot more upside. It's a little bit more difficult to penetrate that market, but there's a huge upside to it. So it does not surprise me that this business, this backed company is discontinuing the B2C market and focusing on B2B. My belief is it's probably a lot of maintenance and lift for lower margins and their business to business market has grown. If I even had to guess further, this is tinfoil hat time. They use the business to consumer market to refine their product while still making money. And now they've got the product in a place that they like and they're discontinuing it because basically the business to consumer was effectively a beta test, a piloting of their product to get real-time feedback loops from customers so then they could refine it and then sell it to businesses. That's all I had. That's what I would have to guess. Beat a Carl. <laughs> LOL. That's so funny. Okay, so that's it. Not not a cybersecurity story, but uh, we don't use this emote very often, squad members. But get your get your snake eyes on. There's snake eyes. That was a more you know about business. Malicious open source packages discovered. Researchers at Sonatype used its AI tooling to discover 691 malicious NPM packages, as well as 49 malicious PyPy components. Many of these contained the same malicious package, a Trojan designed to mine cryptocurrency on Linux. The researchers were able to pin some of the packages to a single actor who was able to be removed from the registry. Other malware discovered include rats, info stealers, and programs designed to check for virtual machines. Since 2019, Sonatype flagged over 100,000 packages as malicious, suspicious, or a proof of concept. All right, so this is not new. We, we hear about these malicious open source packages all the time. It's also worth noting, this is part of the reason that why supply chain management has become front and center. It's why supply chain risk management got its own category inside the NIST cybersecurity framework in version 1.2. This is why Google, Amazon, Microsoft, CISA in a public-private sector joint venture is developing tools and focusing on securing open source software. This is why. This, this right here is undoubtedly why. Because anyone can contribute to open source, including threat actors, and most people that leverage open source do not review the code. They type into Google, like, Python package for scraping websites. Beautiful soup comes up. If you use beautiful soup, you know what I'm talking about. It's like the go-to web scraping Python library. No one, and I mean no one, is reviewing the source code of beautiful soup. They are just generating an instantiation of beautiful soup and then immediately calling a function call to scrape a whatever website and then doing whatever it is that they actually want to do with the data from the website. So if I embed a crypto miner or a remote access Trojan or whatever into beautiful soup, everybody's going to run it. This is a major problem. Now, they mentioned NPM and PyPy. These are repositories that allow you to pull um, other Python libraries in. There are many different ways to bake this stuff in. You could just straight up write the source code. A very popular technique is to... Um, import, like add an extra import statement at the top of a Python uh, program or script, import and import the malware. It's very modular. It allows threat actors to continue to update the malware while still having the, uh, the, the decoupled import statement to allow it to pull up the current most recent version of the malware. Also typo squatting. So I call it beautiful sloop or beautiful sup or beautiful or 
or bootiful soup, right? And people don't know any better. So they're like, oh yeah, I've heard of beautiful soup. Jerry was talking about it on the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'll go get beautiful soup. And you accidentally download beautiful soup, which the threat actor just generated all that, copied and pasted beautiful soup and then put their own malware in it to, to avoid detection a little bit better, right? So this is an opportunity to educate your power users in your environment that might be doing Python programming, educate other informa information security practitioners, educate yourself that if you are pulling in Python programs, that you are at least sniffing them to make sure that there isn't malicious uh, capabilities involved in it. Also worth noting, Google recently released a tool that will look at your open source software and scan it for vulnerabilities or malicious functionality. I forget what it is. Uh, you can look it up. We covered it in the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing not too long ago, but Google has released a tool for that. So get on it. Data brokers hoover up U.S. mental health data. A new study by researchers at Duke's Sanford School of Public Policy found 11 companies willing to sell tranches of personal data from Americans, including mental health information. This includes information on what antidepressants people are taking, if they're struggling with insomnia, or had Alzheimer's disease. Some providers aggregated this information by zip code, while others tied this directly to names, addresses, and incomes. While the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, or HIPAA, restricts how covered health entities share health data, its protections don't apply once that data is sent elsewhere. While some brokers offered opt-outs to individuals, they don't receive notifications when brokers initially obtain that data. This is total bull****. This is such... Like, I get it, okay? I get capitalism, right? There's no law stopping me, so... Why not? Let's do it. I want to call out and give credit to an individual. He's not, he doesn't listen to the, the threat briefing. He's a very good friend of mine. I respect the crap out of this guy. Matt Jones. Matt Jones worked with me. He was the other cybersecurity architect at the Medical University of South Carolina, where I worked for six years. When, when, when COVID hit, when telehealth exploded, Matt Jones was front and center. He is a privacy advocate on top of being an excellent cybersecurity practitioner. Matt Jones was leading the charge of, whoa, 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 whoa. What is, where, where is all this data going? How are we protecting this data? Or why are we allowing this stuff? And like a big ass tsunami tidal wave it's it's you can't stop it it's like standing there and just hold on i, I want to be able to emphasize this it's like standing there with your arms up and a freaking tidal wave just comes crashing over you you might stop some of the water but for the most part it's all getting past you and now the data is out there you're not getting this data back you're not putting the toothpaste back in the tube and it's just so it's just so heart-wrenching that capitalism has a dark side and it is like this is a perfect manifestation of the dark side so so again this is a hypothetical this isn't accurate but so COVID hits and i'm lonely i feel disconnected i'm struggling with depression i have access to health telehealth so i get it i get prescribed medicine or i start gambling and i have an addiction to gambling 
and I, I take telehealth with, with a, a psychiatrist or whatever, and I, I work through some of my problems. And now this data gets weaponized so you can advertise to me a new slot machine? Or you're, or you're, you're advertising Tinder to me now because you know I'm on medicine to help me deal with these problems? It's disgusting. It is absolutely disgusting. Mental health is a real problem. It has a wicked negative stigma in the United States. We are pivoting away from the negative stigma. I would say in the last five years, we've, we've grown leaps and bounds in our maturity of recognizing mental health as a thing that shouldn't be uh, uh, um, treated. Like people, like back in the day, if you were like out on medical health needs, like you were seen as like a pariah, like, oh, watch out for Jerry. He's got mental health problems. And we've come a long way on that. But dude, just just weaponizing this for commercial capitalism is just vile. And there's no law stopping them, of course. I'm sure I'm sure there's some greased up suit somewhere who's like, oh my God, I'm getting a T-bone, like a 65 ounce tomahawk steak tonight. Cause I sold I sold the Gibson contract. Made so much money off that. It's gross. Pig butchering scams on the rise. You might think being Valentine's Day, today would be the day we'd see a big peak in romance scams. But researchers at Sophos warn they began seeing a spike in so-called pig butchering schemes over the past 18 months. This follows a similar FBI warning from back in December. In Sophos's investigation, it found a scammer posing as the nephew of a former Goldman Sachs analyst pitching a fraudulent version of the Russian trading app MetaTrader 4. Sophos reported seeing the app used in multiple similar schemes. The researchers found scammers approaching potential victims on dating sites using emotional cunning to push them to moving money into investment apps. Do you like the fantastic? All right. I do. I do appreciate the broken heart um, graphic on Valentine's Day. All right. Let's put some music underneath this. All right. So the final story today is about pig butchering. You should definitely be well versed in pig butchering. Leslie Carhart um, shared this on social media not too long ago. There is a fantastic write-up on Wired.com. I'm going to... I've shared this on the stream before. I'll share it again right now. If you don't know what pig butchering is, go read this thing. It's like a, I don't know, say a 10-minute read. You will be fully versed in what pig butchering is. And as you can see from the story, there is a significant uptick in pig butchering scams. So... You should be aware of them, right? Plus, if you're going to go on an interview, might be might be important to demonstrate that you're aware of what threats are currently increasing in activity in the space, okay? Now, what I will tell you, it blows my mind that people fall for pig butchering. A pig butchering scheme is where you get like a random message out of the blue and it's like, hey, it's Linda. Are we still on for coffee? Hey, it's Carl. I can't wait to see you this week when I'm in town. And then the victim, the victim responds, this isn't Carl, wrong number. And then, or this isn't Linda, wrong number. And then the the attacker says, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bother you. I was just going to tell Linda about this amazing investment opportunity. Do you want to hear about it? Yeah, I'd love to. Hook. And then the pig butchering begins. They get you to invest a little bit of money. You get returns on that money. So you're demonstrating that this is legit. And then you put a lot of money in and then they steal your money. 
Same with relationship scams, romance scams, they're sometimes called. Preying on people's loneliness, preying on people's emotions. These ones get cat catfishing. These ones get really um, complicated because then when you rob someone, like, like, so I get involved in a romance scam and I'm like, oh my God, I found the love of my life. Okay. And then I'm telling people about the love of my life. And then I start giving money away because I love this person. And then I find out it's a scam. I'm even more unlikely to tell anyone that I got scammed because it's embarrassing. And because I was duped. The person I love wasn't real. I'm a victim. And then you start feeling shame and, and victim shaming and all this other crap. So again, this is the relationship romance scam. It preys on the mental aspect. I mean, it almost kind of ties into this mental health thing that pissed me off. But just educate end users about pig butchering. Like I said, it typically starts... It typically starts with those random messages you get about like, oh, hey, whatever. Um, and one of my students actually just messaged me. Um, he's getting an email or, or a text message about like an investment opportunity. And it links to some type of macros on Google, which I'm actually going to investigate during the jaw and section of this talk. So be mindful of pig butchering. There's an uptick in activity. This is the, the story. This will probably be the... Um, the story in the newsletter for your end users, by the way. Pig butchering's on the rise. They need to know about it, okay? That's going to do it for today's stream. I do want to remind everybody that I, we've got a banger, a banger of shows coming up this week on Simply Cyber. So, yes, we are doing the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing right now. But Simply Cyber has a ton of other content for you to consume because why not? I'm a baller. Let's do simply let's do cybersecurity content. So I want to share with you tomorrow on Wednesday at 9 a.m. we will have this video how to pivot from accounting to cybersecurity. It's wicked niche, but if you're an accountant or you know someone in finance and accounting and they want to get into cyber, this video is going to do it. Plus I want to remind you that a very well-known I would call celebrity in the cybersecurity industry is the individual that I interview. Some of you may know who it is. He does drive a Lamborghini. On Thursday, I will be doing part one of a two video series. So you can see my face here, my face here. Entry-level cybersecurity jobs, where to get them, and how to get cyber experience without a job in cybersecurity. These two videos pair together. I'm going to do a premiere and watch both of them. I hope you can join me. And the final thing I want to share with you, giddy up on this one. My Simply Cyber Live event will be happening 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday this week. And my guest will be Cody Kinsey. If you don't know who Cody is, you are going to want to come to this live and meet him. He is amazing. He is a sick, awesome cybersecurity researcher, OSINT expert, like wireless security expert. He's really smart. He's got a great personality. He has so many great lab videos online. I, I, the dude inspires me. I love his content. I'm excited to meet him. I've never spoke to him directly. Um, I've been interfacing through some type of middleman. Um, so I'm going to get to meet him too. I, I assure you, 
this Thursday will be a special, special Simply Cyber Live. So that's that's the run of show this week. Holy Cybersecurity Central, I know that is a lot of information, and I did a really piss-poor job of letting you know about this in advance. But this is what's happening this week. We've got a full slate of content. Now, if you were here just for the news, I bid you farewell. It's 1048, so we're a few minutes over. Sorry to NCC Group and Base Case uh, for missing the 45-minute mark. But if you're here for some jawjacking, let's hang out. All right, guys. So we can spend a few minutes. Uh, <laughs> Elite Gunslinger wants to know where I got a Lambo. I assure you I don't have a Lamborghini. Uh, I don't know. There's no back seats for the kids in the Lamborghini. Sally asks, when is that? Sally, when you say when is that, what is uh, that you're referring to? When is what? It is a great week. I'm super excited. Cody is a fire hose of info. I agree. Super awesome. I Guys, I am super, super excited about having Cody on. Oh, good, good, yes. And uh, next week, I'll have um, Jess Gulick from um, US Cyber Games talking about the Wicked Six event and some other events that she's putting on. After that, I'll have Mike Warner, the former CISO of one of the most uh, mature information security programs I've ever heard about. Jared Pierpoint asks about the Lambo. Um, Delays Made, uh, new here. I met Delays Made on the haiku stream last night. Nice to see you in the stream this morning delays. I'd love to have a Lambo and then take the kid to school in that. Yeah, that would be super sick, I guess. I'm not, I'm not, dude, I'm not knocking a Lambo. Dude, freaking cool, do it. The dude with the Lambo is awesome, that's right. Tail end of Team Live will be catching up what I missed. All right, sounds good, Colleen Kelly Wardle. It's a good show. I, I lose my mind a little bit on, um, on the second to last story back here. But you'll, uh, that's a teaser for you. What is the industry stance on extreme couponing? <laughs> what is extreme couponing? I, hey, Anthony Singleton, good to see you. What, are you talking about people who go to the grocery store with coupons? Uh, all of that, all the chat, of course, is today. How have you been finding the 101 course, my good man? Shadow Crab asking about Cybersecurity 101. Pretty good. I do have like a little update uh, teaser. Um, you guys may or may not like this. <laughs> Um, okay. So here's, here's, here's an update or whatever. I mean, this just happened like 20 minutes ago or, uh, 20 minutes before the stream started. And I can't share more details, uh, because of legal reasons, but I will be making a course that will be free. I will be making a course that will be free that I've never talked about before. And it won't be available through Simply Cyber. I'm just, I'm developing the course for somebody else, for a business, and the course will be free. And it should be out in March. This just came up um, financially. <laughs> they have financially motivated me to cut the line and be developed in March. So stay tuned for that. I will share more information as I am uh, allowed to. I, I, I cannot share any more information legally. Uh, it's not like, you know, a big, it's not like, right. It's not like that kind of legal. It's just, I, I have contractual obligations um, and things I can say and cannot say uh, NDA related. So um, trust me, you'll be the second one to know 
when it comes out, but it will be free. Delays? I'm not sure. Just registered. Thanks, Kim. Cyber Munchkin's all in it. Looking forward to hear. Yeah. So I, I, I will share more information about this. You can mark your calendar. March 10th. March 10th is when I'll be able to share more information. Yep. Do the free stuff first. Absolutely. Tree Hugger's asking about my talk show, which is uh, Late Night with Jerry. That is... Um, here, let me go to LinkedIn and show you guys uh, that really quickly. So Late Night with Jerry, if you guys don't know, is a show that is my show that I'm doing um, in uh, co coordination with um, Night Studios, Alyssa Night and Night Studios. Where's my little, there it is, right? So I have my own show that's coming out. Um, Tree Hugger asks, what's the deal with it? Um, so it will be a late night talk show. I'll have, you know, they're building me my studio right now. I have not scheduled time to fly out. I do have to fly out to Las Vegas for filming. Um, we've committed uh, to three seasons um, right now. And I guess based on performance and how well I do and how well the show performs or whatever, maybe we'll sign on for more, more seasons. Um, I, if I was being a betting man, I would assume that I will fly out there in March or April, no later than April, uh, for filming of the first season, and then um, each month after that. Uh, it's gonna be cool, I'm super pumped. I would love to do an entire uh, special during uh, Black Hat DEF CON week, since I'll, you know, it's in Vegas, I'll be in Vegas, obviously. So stay tuned for that. Thanks, Cyber Munchkin, I appreciate the support. Yeah, I definitely would love love uh, for the Simply Cyber community to support me um, in you know in any way that is comfortable with you guys with this show. I'd love for this show to be a success. I'm super super excited um, about the opportunity. I think it's super very you know super cool. Um, so stay tuned for that. That's right, late night with Jerry G. That's right. Anyone ever watched the Night Studio shows? Any recommendations on where to start? I'm gonna watch uh, Dark Ops uh, next. I actually signed up for Night TV um, for a year. I mean, personally, I wanted to support Alyssa's ventures, and since I'm going to be a have my own show on the platform, I thought it made sense. So, cool. All right. Um, yeah, Jerry going Hollywood. I'll try to keep my I'll try to keep my feet grounded. I'll try to keep my feet grounded. You guys, you guys are wonderful. I I, I don't think I'll have a problem staying real. All right, guys, we're at 10.55. I'm going to boogie out of here. Yeah, I, I know. I'm a busy dude. <laughs> I'm a busy dude. Um, I'm going to... Yep. Oh, CYO, CYB Rob with a super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Thank you so much, CYB Rob. I genuinely appreciate the support. I see your squad member too. Thank you so much uh, for that. Lego sec. There's no little people. Oh, let's go, Nick. Thank you so much for the super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. 
Guys, I will do the Simply Cyber Daily Cyber Threat Briefing until I cannot do it any longer. So I'll always be here delivering hot takes. Sour cream Lamborghini incoming. Ugh. My pleasure, Neon Nomad. Thank you so much for the super chats, guys. I, I appreciate it. It's very, very generous of you. Very kind. Hopefully you guys have an opportunity. It does like so Valentine's Day is supposed to be like romance and, you know, you know, giggity giggity. But, you know, I I have I have you know, I told my wife I love her this morning. I told my boys I love them. I have three incredibly close friends um, that I've, I've, they're like brothers to me, these three guys. Like I would, if they called me right now, I would, I would get on a plane and fly to where they are if they needed me. I emailed them this morning, or I texted them, we have a group chat, and told them I love them. Thank you so much for the super chat. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. William Welch. And I know some of you I've never met in person. We have this kind of asynchronous relationship. But I really, really love the Simply Cyber community. I appreciate you guys. Like, if I was just talking on a webinar into the void, it wouldn't have the same energy. I wouldn't enjoy it. I wouldn't be able to go 303 episodes in a row. I've, I've been doing the channel for over th three years now. Simply Cyber. You don't do something for three years if it's a grind. It's a fact. It would just, uh, you would just. So you guys make it, you guys make it special. Ben, can I be your personal assistant? Thanks, Ben. And then Ben can have a personal assistant, Justin Gold. We just everything flows downhill. Thanks, Eric Gray. I appreciate it. Much like Keanu Reeves doing John Wick, Jerry will keep going until he can't. That's right. I'll, I'll go downstairs and break the cement open and pull a pull a microphone and a uh, uh, <laughs> a little camera, like a vlogging setup, out of the cement. All right. <sighs> All right. Guys, you want to talk about cyber rock stars? Wow. I mean, you want to talk about cyber rock stars. Because of Simply Cyber, I've had an opportunity to meet, greet, talk with Alyssa Knight, John Strand, Bryson Bort, um, Cody Kinsey this Thursday. Legends. You know, it's it's so, so cool. So cool. <laughs> David Beard. Love it, David. Love it. I'm glad your wife. Maybe maybe she'll be into uh Simply Cyber uh, or Cybersecurity. Carl Yaga. Alright, guys. One more yeet, one more Carl. And uh we'll boogie out of here. <laughs> yeah, CYB Rob. Yeah, I, I know John uh personally. And if you go to Wild West Hacking Fast, you'll you'll get to know John too. John's a really, really, really approachable, real guy. You want to talk about someone who cares about the community and doing right by people? John Strand is exemplary at demonstrating that. Yeah. Black Hills Information Security, Anti-Siphon, John Strand. Giddy up on all those things. And since we're talking about it really quickly... Um, I just want to remind everybody, Anti-Siphon is hosting a free webinar, a free conference on March 1st. There's a link in chat. Thank you so much, Cybersecurity Central. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. For the super chat. Kimberly. Kimberly, the, the one of the leaders behind Cybersecurity Central, 
I got to meet her in person at Wild West Tech Invest. Spent a lot of time with her and her brother. Great people. Lo- love, love those people. I'm giving a talk at this anti-siphon summit on March 1st. It'll be on um, pen testing, which you might think like, who the hell are you to talk about pen testing? Well, I'll be one half of the panel. It's just me and one other guy, Paul Imey. And I'll be talking about like, why would you hire a pen tester? What are you actually looking for? If you're a pen tester trying to sell your services, guess what? The CISA doesn't care about elite zero day hacks. The CISO cares about, hey, can you help my agenda move forward? Can you help me get more money from the board? And once you understand that, you'll be able to sell more services. Holla. All right, guys, it's time. I got a boogie. Be good. Let me let me do um Let me do a good send-off song. I love this song. Be well, everybody. Take care. Happy Valentine's Day. We will see you tomorrow, Wednesday. February 15th at 9 a.m. Eastern time for the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. And immediately following that will be the premiere of Accountant to Cyber with a very special guest. I hope you can join us for the Cyber Threat Briefing and for the premiere. Share Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing with those in your community, in your network. If you think, if you got value out of this, help someone else get value out of this right? I can only yell so loud. My voice doesn't carry so far, but you, you can carry it further and help people find Simply Cyber. Thank you all very much. Be good. And until next time, stay secure. Yeah. <laughs>